All right, welcome everyone to our latest episode of Pride Boss. Hope you are safe and doing well. Today we have another amazing guest, Laura Spalding, who is the owner and president of Spalding Decon joining us today by phone. She is a working woman and she is on her way to a job. So, and just for those of you who don't know a Laura or a Spalding Decon, Spalding Decon is the first nationally franchised decontamination service to offer crime scene, hoarding and meth lab cleanup throughout the US. And recently um, they've been dealing a lot with COVID. So Laura and her company have been featured on national publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post, Forbes, and was recently voted um, number 10 on Entrepreneur's Franchise 500 list for 2020. So it's been an incredible journey, um, obviously an awesome year for you, Laura. How are you feeling? Oh, pretty good. A little overwhelmed with keeping up the, with the pace, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fast moving and uh, I think we're, we're evolving with the times now. Absolutely. And you've seen a lot. I mean, especially over the years, um, beginning of your career, you used to be a police officer and also in the military. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got into the crime scene cleaning business. Yeah, so um, I was in the military in uh, 1994, and um, I was discharged through the don't ask, don't tell uh, policy at that time, mm. um, and uh, so I uh, went back to uh, college, got my degree, and then uh, just started applying to police departments because, you know, I thought it was a fun job, and Kansas City happened to be the first place to hire me, so I moved out Midwest there and uh, worked in the area for about seven years. I did uh, undercover narcotics, undercover vice, and uh, you know, quickly became you know, disenchanted with the low pay, um, you know, the terrible hours, and you know, I just started to kind of look for something else. And when I realized uh, I had very few skills that transferred over to the business world, uh, I realized I'm going to have to go back to school. So I went back and got my MBA at night. And uh, that's when I started meeting other people that had that type of mindset, that entrepreneurial mindset. Mm -hmm. So I started looking into uh, what businesses I could start, but I was really limited because I had no money. Um, and uh, was, I was only making $42,000 a year at the time after seven years in law enforcement. So it, it wasn't a good situation. So, you know, I initially started looking at uh, franchises and I realized right off the bat, I can't afford these. Uh, so I'm going to have to do something on my own. And it was uh, one of those things that just kind of happened one night on the job when a woman had asked me, uh, you know, when are you guys coming back to clean up after it was a homicide? And um, she was under the impression that law enforcement do it. And I thought that's strange, but I didn't know the answer to her question. So once I started looking into it, I realized, wow, 2005. Um, and I, you know, did some more research and I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use my only week of vacation. I flew out to uh, Dallas, Texas, and I got trained and certified on how to do this type of business. And then, uh, you know, I came back and, you know, all uh, excited about starting the business. I had met a couple people that uh, had gotten some SBA financing Mm -hmm. uh, through their local banks. So when I came back after the training, I went to um, my bank and I said, hey, you know, I want to start this business. And uh, my colleagues got uh, an SBA loan and I want to get the same thing. And they basically laughed me out the door. 
Um, so then I went to, you know, two, three other banks and I got the same response. And I thought, you know, uh, that was the first time I realized that um, discrimination is still live and well in business mm -hmm. as it is in, you know, the military and law enforcement and everything else. So these males uh, walked in and just, you know, got their SBA loan. I got nothing. So I had to uh, get creative with it. And uh, I decided to walk into a fifth bank and I uh, lied and said I needed windows for my house. And they gave me $15,000 on a home equity loan. Mm -hmm. And that's what I used to, to start the business. And, you know, it was, it was, I had to get creative. I didn't know much about how to, how to get funding. You know, there was no like big venture capital knocking down my door or private loans or equity or anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the business was started with $15,000 and, you know, now it's turned into multi-millions. So it was a, it was a great decision back then, but it has definitely not been an easy road. Absolutely. And I know that you were talking about, you know, don't ask, don't tell and, and having that discrimination, not only just as being a woman, but also being part of the LGBTQ community. I think we've seen it. And now, especially with social media today, it's really just exploding. So I just wanted to get your thoughts too on just um, being a business owner and also being a former police officer and military. How do you feel about what's going on in our country, like all of these different um, things are coming to light and people are actually talking about these issues. Do you think that we're having real progress? And I guess it comes in an interesting time, right? Because all of these, you know, not only are we facing kind of like a uh, identity crisis in the United States as a country, but also we're dealing with, you know, this pandemic and, and things going on. So I guess my question is with all of this kind of you know, slow progress forward with, you know, diversity and inclusion, uh, what would you describe as kind of the keys to success? If you're starting out, if you're, if you say you're, um, you know, in the LGBT community or, you know, you're, you're also um, trying to, you know, kind of get through finances or don't have the funding to start your own business or to follow your entrepreneurial tracks, um, what would you describe as the keys to success in transforming um, any little opportunity that you might be able to get and move that forward? You know, now I think there's a lot more resources available than there was back in, you know, 2005 when I started. Um, you know, I'm a member of uh, the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. I mm -hmm. think it's a fantastic organization that really uh, their main purpose is to get our community on the same playing field as, you know, our, our colleagues. And, I, you know, that would be the first thing that I would do is make sure that you're joining that organization and you're becoming part of, of the solution um, and in kind of developing our landscape because, you know, the gay and lesbian community has, you know, a far higher spending rate per capita than our heterosexual counterparts. So, you know, our, our dollars matter and uh, our businesses are successful. Uh, and we are facing more adversity than than our colleagues are. And yeah. so, you know, I just think that, that the successful LGBT businesses out there are very successful when you consider the um, the climb that, that they had to do to get there. Well, you know, at one point I thought we were, and then I think we've taken a giant leap backwards uh, yeah. with, you know, the, the current administration uh, is trying to roll back a lot of uh, the the civil rights you know, stuff that was, that was for our benefit. Um, you know, I, I think it's temporary. I think, you know, uh, hopefully that, you know, the next administration will put back a lot of those safeguards for us, but yeah. I, I really am happy to see what's going on in the black community right now. 
because I've always wondered, you know, what was taking so long. They've sat back and they've, you know, they've been incarcerated at higher rates. They've been murdered at higher rates. And uh, they seem to be just sitting back all these years. And now uh, there's a movement and it's really exciting to see a movement like this because it's changing uh, our country uh, for the better, in my opinion. And it's putting more of a highlight on uh, the privilege that we have being Caucasian. Just, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't think most Caucasians think about that. And I think they should because uh, they take it for granted. And the people that are opposed to this type of movement are people that are insecure about losing that privilege, in my opinion. Right. Right. That's so true. Absolutely. And I mean, even just from you talking about how you started your business, completely trying to go around the system and, and get funding. I mean, it's incredible when you kind of max that with willpower and drive and kind of the focus that you had to build this company. Um, I think it's amazing. And, you know, speaking of, I know uh, Spalding Decon, you guys have been really busy um, with COVID, right? I know that's like top of mind right now. Um, with a lot of different industries and just economy. So how have you guys pivoted to that and, and adapted? Well, you know, I don't, I don't think we've had to pivot so much as other, other types of businesses. Mm -hmm. What I do, though, is think that it's really highlighted our business as truly recession-proof um, because we've, we've been in the disinfection space for 15 years. So COVID is just honestly another, another virus that we've we're disinfecting, you know, we've been doing MRSA and C. diff for many, many years. So we didn't have to pivot on, on our processes at all. Uh, but from a franchise standpoint, more people that were looking at maybe restaurants or gyms or, or other kind of um, businesses that were highly affected by the virus, I think they are rethinking that and they're starting to show interest in our business because we're so high margin and we're truly recession proof. Like, you know, the business had never saw any loss at all during the 2007, 2008 financial crisis. And even now, you know, our business is tripling uh, with COVID. So uh, we're in a really good position to be able to handle uh, this type of pandemic. Uh, but I, you know, I want to say more so that everybody's kind of looking at the pandemic as, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. I really think a lot of good is going to come out of this because businesses are starting to learn of what we can do to downsize and have more employees work from home. Also, other businesses are looking at how can we maybe pivot to not be so susceptible if this another outbreak occurs, you know, like restaurants doing takeout as opposed to uh, focusing so much on in-house dining. So the, the problem is, entrepreneurs cannot just sit there and, you know, get in the fetal position and cry and say, oh my God, my business is going. You need to stand up and figure out how can you pivot your business to be profitable in any type of economy and any type of, you know, disaster that happens. I think, um, like you said, it's, it's, it's good. And, you know, there's so many good things coming out of it. I know personally from being in the technology industry, we are working with a lot of businesses to get them where they can have their employees work from home and have that infrastructure. Yeah. And I think it's good too, just from an entrepreneurial, well, if I could talk entrepreneurial perspective, um, 
you know, I think I'm seeing actually a lot of new businesses pop up, right? If yeah. sadly you see some of these businesses that are 150 years old, you think about things that are going on with Sears and Macy's and some of these huge department stores and they're going under, but then you're starting to see this kind of underground pop up with new names and new ideas. So like you said, maybe this is kind of a new, a new era that we're approaching. Yeah, you know, and I predicted that there would be some type of um, financial crisis, so to speak, in 2020. I wasn't thinking it was going to be a pandemic. I was more thinking it was going to be, you know, through the real estate market, because again, we were seeing super, super high appreciations and a lot of uh, overselling, overpriced. Uh, It's a seller's market. So I I was kind of anticipating a little bit of a crash or a dip, but, um, you know, interest rates are at the lowest point that they've ever been. And uh, it's still very difficult for people to get mortgages. So we're kind of at a weird position here where rents are skyrocketing because of that. So I, I'm, I'm predicting another correction coming here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And what do you see for the future of Spalding Decon? You know, what we're working on now is we want to, uh, we're, we're growing extremely fast. So my goal is to make sure that uh, we're hiring excellent talent, which we've been able to get through companies that are downsizing. So franchise systems that just aren't doing well through the pandemic, we're able to, uh, to, to hire on their employees. So that's been fantastic for us because they literally start day one and they're on the ground running. Uh, so we're growing substantially. We're, you know, we just doubled our uh, employment staff at the corporate office here in Tampa. Um, wow. And we're, do, we're doing a, a 5,000 square foot build out to accommodate all these new employees. And, uh, you know, we're selling out in markets a lot faster than we anticipated. You know, Austin, Texas is sold out. Nashville, uh, Tennessee is sold out. So, you know, we're just, we're constantly getting inquiries. Uh, so we're just trying to keep up with the demand right now and hire, uh, or not hire, I'm sorry, award territories that are to people that have the same vision that we do and that are really a good brand fit. So we're trying to do that strategically. Uh, so I'm anticipating we'll be up to probably a hundred units here in the next three years. Wow. That is crazy. Just seeing your journey for the last couple of years and how you guys have completely exploded like that. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's, again, it's definitely been a difficult journey because, uh, yeah. you know, uh, we needed capital to, to grow the franchise system. And uh, about two years ago, I reached out to the banks once again and had to go through the same process. Even though we were highly profitable, we were getting grilled and, you know, told wow. no. And it's like, again, here we are, I'm facing this discrimination once again, um, you know, from big banks too, uh, you know, PNC and um, uh, a couple of other banks that uh, were just like, no, 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 uh, we're not going to give you a loan or a bait and switch type thing. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and now we don't need any type of loan because we're self-funding still our growth. And now they're knocking down the door to, uh, to help us out. And it's like, you know, day late, dollar short. Yeah. <laughs> you missed your chance there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So that actually, you know, you were talking about your employees. Um, this brings me to my next question. I'm very curious about this because I think as a culture, um, we have a fascination with crime, right? Like crime, yes. there's so many movies and shows and, you know, I know Unsolved Mysteries just came out and I was all over that, right? Um, so, and you guys, you guys are in the forefront of that, on the front lines. I mean, it's not, it's not a show to you. It's, it's real life. So 
how do you guys um, manage that work-life balance and, and mental health? Because I can imagine that's a very intense, you know, industry to be a part of and, and cleaning up what you do. Yeah, you know, uh, I get that question a lot. And um, the, the, the technicians that are actually out doing the cleanups are, are the ones that, you know, have to deal with that one-on-one -on -one the most. And, you know, the easy answer to that is, we don't see the actual person. We don't know what they look like. We don't really know a lot of information about them at all. Uh, so when we get there, we just see the mess or the aftermath. Uh, we, don't, we don't have any connection with the person. And I think that really helps us disengage from making it a cleaning job versus, you know, uh, yeah. really internalizing that human component. Right. And I imagine you work a lot with the families as well. So maybe there's almost like a sense of closure in some of these cases too. Yeah. And they're super appreciative, uh, you know, that we're there. And I am as well, because, you know, without somebody or a company like ours to be able to handle this type of cleanup, they would literally be left with it on their own. And yeah. I can't imagine having to do that, a family member on my own so you know it's it's very rewarding because you know we we really get a, a great sense of relief out of kind of the before and after in general what you have built just from the ground up and how this kind of affects all the way to the end game with the families and helping them is just it's an amazing ecosystem that you have and um, I think the moral of the story that I'm getting just from from what you've told me is that never give up, right? Like you you had to go through a lot of hurdles. People told you no, 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 but you had a vision and you stuck with it. And here you are running a multi million dollar company. Um, it's just it's amazing to see. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But you know, on the realistic side of things, I I, I wouldn't. I'm not naive enough to think that things are now easy during this time. Sure. So you know what I've decided to do was you know, open up kind of a uh, mentorship to other LGBT entrepreneurs who want to start something and maybe just don't know where to start or are having trouble finding a mentor who understands where they are. So what I've decided to do is take on a couple people every year, uh, completely free, you know, just because I want to help uh, those type of people. And I really wish I would have had somebody uh, help me. I, you know, to this day, after 15 years, I've never had a mentor uh, help me, you know, focus on anything of my business. I've always had to pay consultants to come in to teach me something. Uh, so I kind of want to alleviate that for people because I think there's just a high, higher barrier of entry for the LGBT community. Got it. And is that something that you can actually find on a website or is it just more of word of mouth? Yeah, so I have a, a Facebook page that's open up to the public, and I, I try to put a lot of stuff out there, um, you know, and it doesn't nice. need to be Florida local or Tampa local, because, you know, you can do a lot of stuff with technology, uh, on, you know, on Zoom and on the phone and stuff, and I'm happy to help. I don't have a ton of time, but it's something that I'm, I'm really willing to, uh, to help people and kind of make time for, because I think there's going to be a lot of value for the community out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I have one more question for you, Laura. I know sure. that, you know, we were talking about being an entrepreneur and you're, you know, you're kind of a coach and you've been a motivational speaker. What is one of your favorite mottos or quotes that you live by? Um, I have several, um, you know, I think it's, um, probably improvise, adapt and overcome. You know, that was something that I was taught when I was, you know, 19 years in the military and it still holds true today. Um, you're never going to have the perfect storm. 
you're never going to, you know, and I, I can't stand excuses. That's, that's one big thing. It's like, you know, you're never going to have that perfect situation or scenario that you want to create your business. So you need to improvise and adapt and overcome whatever's going on right now to make it happen. So I, I would go with that one. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I know you guys are super busy. And like I said, I know you're on the road. So, and where can we find you at online? Yeah, so uh, we have a pretty big Instagram following. It's uh, Crime Scene Cleaning, all one word. And then we have, uh, I think we're on our fifth season on YouTube of our reality series, if you're interested in, you know, true crime type stuff. And it's on uh, youtube.com slash crime scene cleaning. And then, of course, I'm on Facebook. I have a uh, public page. Feel free to message me or, or follow, and I'm happy to help if anybody needs it. Okay, perfect. And for those of you listening, we will definitely have those links um, in the description when the podcast is released. Laura, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.